Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the Come to Your Senses podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through a lifestyle of embodiment. You'll hear gems to empower you around mindset, mindfulness, somatic psychology, and neuroscience, as well as beauty, food, style, and the art of slow living to meet your soul through the senses. I am so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So happy to be here, as always, with you. Today's episode is centered around a certain phrase that I heard someone say recently, which is falling into an unhealthy behavioral pattern. And when it comes to the subconscious mind, which is where all of our behavior originates, language is so important. And so today, we're going to talk about what's really going on for you in those moments where you feel like you lose the power of choice, and how a really simple shift in your language can help liberate your system to create a clearer path to what we're all seeking in those moments, which is that choice point. So last week, I shared something with you that I've been really marinating in which I choose to call soul sense. Soul sense to me is that deep, grounded, loving part of all of us that even when things are not perfect, all can be well when we can center and pause and believe in ourselves. If you're a fan of this podcast, I know that you have had the experience where your soul knows how to sit with any problem. And it operates at a 100% success rate because it never expects perfection or for things to work out for you to be okay. It just glides along on this softness of curiosity, asking only for your honesty and for your trust. And one of the biggest blocks when it comes to connecting into this soul sense, which is really that soft pearl that resides at the center of all things is the chatter of the fearful mind. And that chatter of the fearful mind, you know, when we think about changing our lives, 
changing our lives begins with changing our thoughts. When we change our thoughts, we have the power to change our behavior because let's say, for example, you're like me and you spend about 5 to 15% of your life looking for your phone, wallet, or keys. And this morning I was looking for my keys, my wretched God-forsaken keys. And I had an important meeting that I was going to go out to do. And the meeting was in two minutes and I was 20 minutes behind. And finally, I found them in a pile of sheets. But anyway, it was really interesting during that search to notice my thoughts, which started out as, oh, well, everybody loses their keys. I'm sure they'll turn up somehow. And suddenly by the end, Losing my keys was the reason that I'm 41 and a spinster and certainly headed for a life where I die alone full of unmet yearnings. And just the dramatic leap that our brain, our fearful brain can take. And what's tricky about this is that our thoughts, you know, some sort of stimulus happens like losing your keys, which leads to thoughts, which leads to a feeling which leads to a behavior. And so in that moment of existential peril, I had a feeling of fear and shame, which led to me wanting to hide under the covers, not go to my meeting, and watch the show Made on Netflix, which I chose not to do because I have a level of awareness that this is just what my brain does, and it's not who I am. But we don't always have that choice. And one of the ways we can create more access to that choice is by being aware of how closely related our thoughts are to the language that we use. And so if we look at that common expression, fall into an unhealthy behavioral pattern, first of all, we don't really fall into our behaviors. Some might describe it that way, but the way that I see it is that these behaviors are like animal tracks that then got used by humans and became foot tracks that then became a path that then became a roadway. These are wired and embedded into our systems over time. And that as a very wonderful gifted therapist, Bryn Deary, once shared with me, are healthy responses to unhealthy situations. So for example, if you had trauma in your home or in your life path and you became a drug addict, you didn't become a drug addict just because you like drugs. You probably became a drug addict to escape the intolerable reality of what was going on in your home. Or perhaps you grew up in a value system where money or abundance was considered bad. And because you have discomfort with that, you receive money or become successful financially to a certain degree. And out of subconscious loyalty to your caregivers, you spend that money as fast as you get it. And so that's the first part is understanding that we don't necessarily fall into these things spontaneously, 
these are part of your neural wiring that are malleable. Once again, we can't necessarily control that they are there, but we can control the way that we respond to the thoughts and stimulus and circumstances that activate them. And so at the end, I'm going to give you a more empowering, more accurate way to describe it. But before we go any further, when we look at this phrase, fall into an unhealthy behavioral pattern, it would be an incomplete conversation to not talk about the fact that healthy is such a subjective term. And what is healthy for me is not probably going to be healthy for you. And what's healthy for you is not maybe going to be healthy for me. And that healthy is often, if not always, a term that is created from the lens and the experience of whiteness and the white population and the way in which the health, you know, quote unquote, health and wellness industry is so wrapped up in capitalism and this, forgive me, but turmeric elite. (laughs) You know, you go to a coffee shop and you see a turmeric latte, which, you know, is maybe six to ten dollars. And I don't mean that to poke fun at anyone who drinks turmeric lattes as I do myself. But once again, it would be incomplete to talk about the word healthy without first mentioning and acknowledging the way that healthy is not an unadulterated term. And I really urge you in this conversation to consider that, that when you label your behavior unhealthy, where is that label coming from and where is that definition coming from? And so once again, if we slow down these moments where your behaviors are not in alignment with what you say or think you want or how you say or think you want to be, if we slow that down, what's really happening in those moments most of the time is that your system is dysregulated. And the reason I bring this soul sense into the conversation is because our soul truly knows what to do and how to act in alignment in any situation. But when the system is dysregulated due to stress, perhaps due to inflammation, perhaps due to emotional dysregulation, it's very challenging to connect with that sense of soul. And this is another example of where privilege comes into the situation. Because if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a study in human evolution and the classification and the rank of our needs as human beings, the biggest needs that we have are physiological and the need for safety. And so when you are under financial stress, emotional stress, any kind of stress really that relates to your physiological needs or your need for safety, you literally do not have the energy to think about some of these higher level of needs and not higher as in superior, but when those needs are covered for safety and your physiological well-being, 
you can start thinking about things like belonging and self-esteem and self-actualization. And so when it comes to these, and if you were sitting in front of me, I would be using excessive amounts of air quotes, quote unquote, unhealthy behaviors. The question that I ask myself in those moments, instead of why am I doing this? What is wrong with me? Why do I do the things that I do that keep me from getting what I want or who I want to be? The question is not why. The question is what. What has led to my system becoming dysregulated? And how can I offer my system what it's actually looking for or needing? So let's say a behavior that you want to change is people-pleasing. And in these moments and in certain relationships, you feel like you physically cannot advocate for your needs or say no. The question in that moment of why am I like this is only going to keep you stuck. But the question in that moment of what is it that my system really needs and how do I deliver it is going to move you forward. And so for myself in moments of people-pleasing, I know that what's happening inside my fearful mind is a narrative that if I set this boundary, I will be harmed or I will harm others. And so perhaps what my system really needs in that moment is to feel my feet and to feel my breath as it moves in and out of my body and repeat like a mantra, I will be safe if I tell the truth. I may not escape hurt feelings on either side of the relationship, but I know that I've been able to handle hurt feelings in the past, so I'll probably be able to handle it again. And this isn't a life or death situation And after assessing if this is a safe way to practice risk, going ahead. And this is where it's important to note that often there is a subconscious belief and narrative running that if I am easier and more compassionate with myself around my dysregulated behaviors, that I'm just going to keep doing them more. And there's an important distinction to be made here between denial and compassion. So denial and compassion are two very, very different things. And I'm sure you know that, but I want to layer this in your lap. (laughs) Because in coaching sessions with my clients, this comes up all the time, where we land on this kind of pitchfork that is always at somebody's back that just yells at you all the time about the things that you're not doing. And this idea, this belief that it acts out of love, it wants to see you succeed. And so it's going to hurt you as a means of loving you. And that if you give that up, you won't be as successful or ambitious, or you'll fall into even more unhealthy behaviors, because you'll go into a state of denial on your little compassion cloud. Denial is when we turn away from what must be faced out of fear and fragility and trauma. Compassion is when we turn towards 
what must be faced with the air of love and understanding and acceptance because nothing can be changed without being accepted. And accepted doesn't mean liking something or being okay with something that you're not okay with. Acceptance simply means being in agreement with reality so that your resources can be recollected so that you can actually change the thing that you don't like rather than fighting with the thing that you don't like by not accepting it. All of these maladaptive, dysregulated behaviors are a form of tension. It's a way of fighting tension in the body. It's a way of finding that absolute comfort, that absolute feeling of safety when we feel threatened. And all things relax in the loose, open palm of compassion. Compassion is when the ego story dissolves so that the soul can do what it intuitively knows how to do, which is resolve and untangle any tension without using force. And so know that the untangling of that tension and the path of shifting from fear to love when it comes to our thoughts, feelings, and consequent behaviors is a path that I walk right alongside you. And I hope that this podcast has been useful in helping you connect to that space between the thoughts, that breath between the words where so much power resides. Next week, we will be continuing this conversation with an entire episode dedicated to creating a loving inner dialogue. So make sure to tune in. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. For coaching classes and community in creating a lifestyle of embodiment, head over to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free video series in how to intercept the stress response of anxiety and generate genuine feelings of ease and confidence through your body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash confidence to get your first video today.